When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the 1871 podcast. And for this episode, we're joined by Royals goal scoring legend, Adam LaFondra. But before we speak to Adam, a heads up for you that we have two more episodes coming up over the next few days. So on Wednesday evening, we'll be discussing what type of manager will be a good fit to take Reading forward. And we'll be speaking on that episode to one of the managers who is on the bookmakers list of potential next Reading manager. So he will be our special guest. I won't say who it is, but he has had experience of managing a League One club and he's won promotion with that club. So he'll he'll be our special guest one of the managers that is apparently in contention as next Reading manager. So that episode is available from 6pm on Wednesday. And then we'll have another episode for you on Friday evening where we'll be joined by Dylan Kerr and several Reading fans to discuss what has gone wrong for Reading this season and also over the last few seasons and what needs to happen for the club to bounce back. So, That's all coming up for you in the next few days on the 1871 podcast. But now it's time for a chat with tonight's special guest. So hello, Adam LaFondra, and welcome back to the 1871 podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. No, you're you're very welcome and uh, very much appreciated. We're speaking to you late at night on Sunday, uh, and it's very early in the morning, 7 a.m., uh, Sydney time so really appreciate you uh, getting up early to speak to us uh, and I know you've got a busy day ahead of you so Adam if it's all right with you let's start by talking about Reading's relegation to, to League One firstly what are your thoughts um, about that and and what are your thoughts about 
what's gone wrong for Reading this season and also probably since you left the club, it's been a gradual kind of culmination of things that have happened over the last few seasons. What what are your thoughts, Adam? I think first and foremost, obviously, it's I know it's, it's hard to, to say the right word with, with obviously the relegation. I think, you know, for me, still having sort of ties at Reading and, and always looking for their results and stuff, they started the season so brightly and um, to end the season, oh, well, the second half of the season was, um, you know, just not good enough, really. Um, and obviously, I don't want to, you know, pile on or anything like that. But, you know, as a club, um, it's obviously not good enough. You know, the fans are, are rightly not happy. And, and I'm I'm sure the players, with the playing staff they've got, they didn't expect to be relegated as well at the, at the start of the season. I think, obviously, overall... You know, if you get in a bad run of form, it's so easy to just, you know, to stay in that run of form and, and not be able to turn results around. And, you know, ultimately, when it comes to the crunch time of the season, if you don't pick up the right results, we've, we've done it where we, we were the other way around, where we seem to just nick wins out of, out of nowhere. And, you know, if you're getting the wrong results at the at the wrong time of the season, then, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. And, you know, yeah, probably disaster is a good word for it, really. You know, I've known... I've only known Reading to be a championship club for, you know, pretty much all my football in life. And um, for them to be, you know, obviously getting relegated now, it, it shows it doesn't matter how, how good a club you are, how big of a club you are, and how much money you have. You know, they've got a lot of money now, how much money you have. It doesn't matter because, you know, if you do things wrong and mismanage things, um, you're going to get punished for that. And, you know, that's that's what it is. The club have been punished um, with relegation. The fans have been punished with relegation and, and obviously the players as well. So it's, Obviously, it's a you know it's a great chance for a heroic season next season, but um, you know obviously being relegated is is an awful thing. I've, I've been there myself, and it, it's not great. Um, and Adam, what do you think Reading need to do next? So in the in the summer, what what do you think Reading need to do ahead of next season to kind of build solid foundations, if you like, for for next season and the future? I think, from from my perspective, I th- obviously I, I I don't know the ins and outs of the club, etc. Obviously, being you know millions of miles away, etc., thousands of miles away, even, and obviously not being at the club for a very long time. I think it's sort of you know the Reading way was always said to me when I was there. We do things the Reading way, and you know from the outside looking in, it, it seems as if Reading have not done that. Obviously, they've changed owners, they've had access to a lot of money, which maybe Reading haven't always had access to. And, um, you know, off the back of that, they've got financial punishments because they've gambled with signings and, and not and not bought the right players in and it's not worked out for the players. And I think, you know, ultimately, I think Reading need to go back to what, what they're about and that's, you know, getting the recruitment right, getting the right people in the dressing room who, you know, fight for the badge, fight for the club, you can see their endeavour pouring out. Obviously, you know you want flair players, you want the good players in the league, and uh, and I'm sure Reading will have no problem attracting some of the best players in in League One because you know they're a big draw. That, like I say, that all my career I've never known them to be in, in League One. I think I've seen something they've not been in League One for 20 years or something like that, or something along them lines. So you know, for any any. Players coming off contract or 
who they're interested in, I think will be a big draw to, to be part of a, a promotion, you know, challenge in League One. Um, and, and obviously on top of that, you know, Reading always invest heavily in their youth system and always, you know, their squads always have youth players, you know, breaking through the academy players, breaking into the squad. And I think that's what you have to get. You have to get a good blend of, you know, the older pros, which, you know, I think DNA of, of any successful squad has, you know, good older pros. You have the talented players who are experienced in the middle and, you know, you have the really talented youth players who are, you know, who establish themselves as players. And, you know, you have to have players who have a real connection with the club and obviously with the fans as well, because, you know, you, have, you all have to be pulling in the right direction, you know, from the boardroom to the director of football, to the manager, to the players, to the fans. Everyone has to be going in the right direction. You can't have people pulling away and, and and obviously slagging off here, slagging off there. And you just can't have that if you want to be successful. And, you know, um, I've read quite a few things recently, obviously on Twitter. I think on my feed, I get a lot of um, angry um, Reading fans, which have, uh, comes on like the following feed, which um, obviously suggests tweets you should read and stuff like that. And I've seen a lot of the stuff that's that's been said and, you know, quite a lot of it seems to ring true with with what I think. Obviously, they're gonna have, like I say, they're gonna have access to, a, I think, a lot of money this season as well because obviously they've done their their financial punishments, and then obviously League One doesn't have as stricter rules. I think are read, so you know, there's an opportunity to spend the way out of the league, which in in theory is a great idea, but you know, it can also put you in a deeper hole as well. So. Um, you know, I think spending has to be meticulous. I think, you know, the right players have to be signed. They have to be, you know, certain characters. I think if you're going to spend good money on them and, um, you know, Reading have probably not done that in the past 10 years and on what they've spent their money on and on what they've got returned for that as well. I think, you know, now now is an important time where, you know, your your management choice and your director of football, you know, really, really, you know, not, Knuckle down on the signings and and to be of the right ethos and the right character to play for Reading Football Club. Um, and talking of the managerial situation, there's uh, you know a lot of opinions from the fans, of course. Um, do you think, Adam, that that Noel Hunt should be given a chance, or do you think it should go to someone else? And and if you do think that, what type of manager do Reading need um, to take the club forward from this point? I think because football's moved on so much, you know, depending on what squad you've got available to, you know, I think Hunty would do a great job because he bleeds, you know, obviously for Red, for Reading, everything he does is for Reading. And I think he would do a fantastic job given that he had the full support of everyone. I think any manager coming in will have, you know, their own ethos, etc. But they also have to tap into the to how good of a fan base the club has got. Um, how good of an academy the club has got and build that into whatever they're thinking for the club. There's going to be a certain way of of getting out League One. Yeah, there's probably many ways actually of getting out League One. You can obviously go to a big, brutal team, which I was part of in uh, at Bolton where we were, you know, we had towering players at the back and uh, big Gary Medina up front and, and played quite direct. But we managed to, you know, batter our way through League One doing that. And Chef, you did you know, make, not the opposite, but, you know, they played 3-5-2 where their centre-halves were making, you know, 
overlapping runs and crossing the ball and stuff like that. And, you know, they were overwhelming teams. So there's plenty of ways of, of skinning a cat, so to say. But, um, you know, there's, there's also a certain way that, that Reading like it in in their fan base and how they like to see football. So, you know, I think a manager has to have has their plan and they have to be given time, of course, as well. I think, obviously, management now is, you know, the the lifespan's really short as a as a football manager. So, you know, I think obviously coming in, providing they don't do the ball and lose every game of score, then, you know, you have to be given time to see what they're doing and, and obviously, you know, build with them. Um, but, you know, I think any manager coming in has to almost have, you know, success on the resume because the people, the, the probably the, the chair people and, and the people running the club are going to want to see that they've they've done that before. Like I say, Reading is a big club in, in League One. You know, I'd love for Hunty to get it and, and be tasked with that challenge because I think he'd, he'd do fantastic at it. But I think ultimately they'll go with someone with probably big experience to getting people promoted or, you know, um, someone who's got a track record of getting someone out of League One because I, I'm guessing... <laughs> I'm guessing, like, they're not going to want to linger around in League One. Plenty of teams can do that, you know. So, League One has got such big clubs in there at the moment that, you know, it's going to be a challenging season. So there's no divine right to, to get promoted straight out there. So, you know, everything has to be on point with what the club do in terms of recruitment, management and playing style. And Johnny, I'll uh, hand over to you now. Yeah, and you're saying, like, yeah, I know you've seen plays in England for, for a while, but what's, you know... League One to the Championship. You went from League One Championship, Reading are going from Championship back to League One. I remember 25 years ago when we, we did that last time. How how big a challenge do you think that is for the players? You know, what's the, the, the gap? What's the gap between the Premier League Championships it's down to League One? What what would you think that they need to be wary of or what mindset that they need to have? Well, well, I think obviously the the gaps have got a lot closer. I think between the you know Championship, League One, and League Two. I think you can see that with the teams going up from each division, always do well in the division above. I yeah. think obviously always the biggest gulf is Championships, Premier League, because you know the Premier League have got access to all that money. So if you don't, as soon as you go up to the Premier League, there's such a big gulf because everyone you know can recruit fantastic players. Look how Brentford have done it, and, yeah. and obviously Brighton as well. Their model clubs have how to recruit and, and bring players in. Um, so obviously the, the financial challenges of, of that make it really hard championship to to Premier League. But going down from the championship to League One, I, I wouldn't say there'd be that much difference. You know, the quality from League One coming up to the championship will will be very similar, you know. I yeah. think obviously the 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 teams will be, you know, I think obviously Plymouth have gone up. I think Ipswich the other one. Obviously, the playoffs are still going on now, so hopefully Bolton go up as well and get yeah. back to the to the championship as well. Um, but obviously, you know, you've got to have a good squad, and I think obviously the the problem is going into, for Reading going down is if if you think you're you know too good to be relegated or you're in that in that mindset of let's feel sorry for ourselves, then then that's definitely the wrong mindset to be, and you have to take the challenge on, and you know. I don't don't want to sound it disrespectful or anything like that, but Reading have not had a lot to cheer for really in the championship for a long time. So this could be, you know, a bounce back season. You know, it yeah. could be a great time. I know it's obviously the silver lining is you got a chance of a promotion winning season. The season, obviously, the season coming up after a terrible season of relegation that 
when you know might bring a bit of good times back in, instead of you know clinging on for dear life in the championship and um and hopefully that, that you know reinvigors the club they manage to move whatever players on they need to move on move the finances around bring in some young hungry players who can help you know the, the older pros in the squad and and really help the club push on and start to kick on because you've seen that yeah. with other clubs if you look at Luton Millwall Coventry who've you know Coventry were in League One not long ago and and obviously Mark Robbins has done a fantastic job there and you know like I say them, the other two clubs I named are not huge clubs in the Championship but they're all you know in and around the playoffs yeah. and Athanson so I think there's a lot of things that you can look forward to as a Reading fan but obviously you can have a little bit of um, you know dread as well yeah. in the back of your mind because you know you can get stuck in League One and that is a that's not a good place to be and you don't want to continue to slide as well because Bolton did that, you know, they went out of the championship into League One and went into League Two and it looked, you know, horrendous for them. But now they're finally yeah. coming back as well and um, you know, which is which is great obviously for me as a as a, a fan of both teams. But, you know, I think for Reading, um, obviously they should go with a lot of confidence going into the season and providing, like I said before, they get everything right recruitment wise and you know, it, it's such a big thing and and obviously, here, Matt, the right academy boys they've got at the moment, you know, who are going to make an impact that, you know, they come back ready to play in League One as yeah. well. I think that's a big thing is that, you know, players are ready with the right mindset um, to make a difference in that league. And and obviously, it's all right for me to say that, you know, Reading have never been in League One for so long and, and they're too good for League One, but they've got to prove yeah. that. As players, they've got to prove that. And I'm sure, you know, with the squad they've got, they'll, they'll take that challenge. And like, you're going back, I don't and when, you know, geez, you're at the, you know, the start of our last good phase, when, you know, you had to go to Cardiff to settle the tax bill, wasn't it? And what, what did you see the writing yeah. on the wall at that time with things changing, but, but not good? And, and what was happening for yourself and, and the team around you? Um, no, not really. I, thought, I think there was always going to be a casualty. I just didn't, I didn't think it was going to be at the time. Um, <laughs> Especially when we, we, like, obviously I spoke quite a lot to the club about a new contract yeah. as well just before I was leaving um, in that March time as we were coming out of the Premier League and we were talking then and they were saying we'll sort it out next season but that, that's for another day. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't really envisage, you know, the, the sort of problems that, that have come on there. I just, just think, obviously, you know, the recruitment they did from them sort of went away from what, what Reading did. A lot of big money signings, which ultimately obviously didn't work out if you look at the league position. Obviously, I know they got to the playoff final and the, the penalty shootout and they were so close to going back with, with Yapstan, but I think ultimately, um, you know, a lot of recruitment that they brought in didn't didn't quite work. I don't think they've made any money back on any players. You know, it's criminal to let a player of John Swift's talent go for yeah. a free. Criminal. Um, whenever I played against him, one of the best players in the league, can't let him go for free. It's that's impossible to do that. Um, that's definitely not good business. Um, so you know, doing making decisions like that and and letting play, people walk out who who are commodities who who you know who yeah. worth good money. As always, you have to you know realize when the right time to to let them go is and not not allow them to to walk away for free. I thought that that's just you know that's disastrous business and it's not how a good football club runs. Um, especially if you've not got success off the back of it as well. So, you know, yeah. proof of the pudding really with that one.
Um, yeah, it's it's just it's just so hard. Like uh, it's uh, like I say, it's just incredibly hard. I don't, you don't know where to to sort of go from there. And um, you know, with with like I say, the way they've recruited over the years, it's it's been coming, isn't it? Tough. Yeah, it's it's sort. There's been a few red flags of who they've signed over the years, and you just look. It's you don't know if they've they've had the right direction, um, right right sort of people in the, you know, the owners here and yeah. telling them where the best place to to send it and who's in control of that recruitment as well. Hopefully now I know I think Mark Bowen's in at the moment, isn't and he? So Brian Kerry from Tottenham well, is as well, well director of recruitment, which is a yeah. big signing. Well. Well, that's hopefully that, you know, the, the recruitment are, you know, speaking to the, obviously when they get the manager in as well, of course. And um, this, them three are working really closely together, identifying the right sort of people that, that come and play for Red and FC. You know, I'm sure they'll find talented players, but it's got to be the right sort of people who, who yeah. play for the club and who have the right sort of character as well um, to deal with that challenge. Yeah. You know, cause it's going to be a challenge to as fans, you're going, you're going to be favourite in in the league this season, so you're going to demand from them. It's not going to be, you know, you know, let's be happy to win a game in the champ here or there. It's you know, we want to win yeah. the majority of games in Reading. We want to be, you know, um, in League One. Sorry, we want to get promoted. So, you know, they've got to be ready for that challenge as well. I deal with the pressure, isn't it? I guess that's that's the, it comes with that success or trying to build success. Um, yeah, exactly. That's you know. That's that's life as a footballer. You know, you yeah. want to be playing for something. You don't be table all, all all your career. It's a very easy living doing that. But at the end of your career, you you won't have much yeah. to show for it. You, you know, accolade. You wouldn't fancy coming back next season apart with Andy Carroll up front then. <laughs> uh, we're a bit late. We should have Andy Carroll <laughs> two years ago. I remember, I remember we played him at West Ham. He was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, he's going to be if he stays. Obviously, he's going to be absolutely unbelievable in League One. Yeah. You know, having someone like that in League One is is incredible. Obviously, if he plays the majority of the games as well, you know, he's he's a fantastic player. So, you know, having yeah. someone like him building around him um, and and feeding him, obviously, you know, getting him in the right place, he's going to score a lot of goals and and be a great you know starting point for for a team. So, yeah. Um, obviously, it's important to keep him and, and keep him happy and and build the team around him. I guess. I'll bring you back, Kim. Yeah, and uh, talking of scoring plenty of goals, you you know a lot about that, Adam. You were top scorer for <laughs> three seasons in a row, weren't you? And and you're still scoring goals regularly for for Sydney. So you've played more than a hundred games for for Sydney FC. You've scored more than seventy goals in that time um, and I know Sydney are, are having a, a good run and you're having a good run of goal scoring form so Sydney have, have won the last four games and you've scored in the last five games in a row um, uh, so you're you're 36 now I think um, if I've got yeah that. 36 years young yeah um, <laughs> have you have you had to you know talk, talking about comparisons with, with Andy Carroll and he's you know, obviously, he's been around for a long time, as as you have. You know, going back quite a long time now to your Reading days. Have you had to yeah. adapt the way that you play? Because obviously, your, your goal scoring touch is still there. But have you had to sort of adapt that a bit as as you've got a little bit older? 
not particularly. I think I still play very similar. You know, me as a player, I've I've always been obviously. You know, you've seen it, Ferdinand. I've always been a you know pretty much a goal poacher, and um, you know there'd be spells where I'll be asked I'll be asked to to bring people into play and play as more of a traditional nine. But you know, I've, I've been quite, quite lucky here in in Australia. They've got really good um, you know sports scientist department that really helped me and and sort of tailor my training to me. And and and, and obviously in the games, you know, I've been I've been quite lucky. Touchwood. That in my whole career, I've not really had many injuries apart from you know the last eighteen months have been really hard. I've had three um, hamstring tears, which is is not great for someone at thirty six years old. But you know it's that that's been a, a real mental challenge, and you know made me think a little bit different about the game. And I've come back this from this hamstring tear, and you know in the last run of form that I'm on at the moment, and and had to just alter my game just slightly as you know my body adjusts to getting back fit. So. You know the the tweaks that I do make is more about phys- physically. You know, obviously, um, I can't do what I did when I was twenty six again. Um, I can't do what I do when I was eighteen. You know, the running I did then was you know, or the intensity of the running I did then was was well, a lot higher. But you know, I've still got a lot of good spells in me of of when you know I have to pick and choose when I you know access. That that sort of level of intensity again, and you know, at the moment now we've we've just we booked, we won the elimination final the other day, so obviously now the intensity you know ramps up. So um, the moment where I've been sort of running myself a little bit on lower level, I could you know give myself the chance to get to that you know um, extra energy, the extra intensity that I need for these games now, which is are, are the most important in the season, and you know, obviously. For me, it's, I love scoring goals. There's nothing better for me as a, as a player, and um, obviously scoring goals and, and being successful as well. That, that obviously helps. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been fantastic. You know, um, from ten years ago, obviously everything pops up from Reading and, and my time there, and I'm, I'm forever retweeting it. But you know, I I've changed a little bit. But I wouldn't say you know if you looked at me now from then, you'd, you'd see much of a different player. I'm, I'm still putting chances away and. Um, you know, I'm still running around a little bit like a headless chicken as well. So, um, you know, I never lose that sort of love for the game and, you know, that love for winning and, and obviously scoring goals as well. Um, and you're in the semi-finals of the, the A-League, uh, what they call the finals series. So can you explain, it's obviously different from, from the way that we do things over here. So can you explain a bit how the finals series works and, you know, what, what you're aiming for with that, obviously, to win the final. But what does, you know, what does that sort of mean, if you like? Yeah, so obviously, um, the it's a 12-team league. Six of them make the playoffs. The first who come first but are the Premier's champions. So obviously, you know, you win the league, you win the league. You, you get celebrated for that. Um, but as you go into the playoffs with the six teams, the uh, first and second they get a rest for a week and then third play sixth, fourth play fifth, we were fifth, so we played fourth, which were our rivals, Western Sydney, and you play them in a one-off game and then the highest seed gets the home leg in that game. So we went and played them uh, away from home and, and and obviously beat them at their place. So we progressed through. And then once you progress through that, the lowest seed in the league, so we play top of the league 
Um, so we play first and, and obviously the other team play second. Um, and we play them in two legs um, in the following week. So now we've got a game on Friday and the, then the following Friday we play them away. Um, and, you know, from that, hopefully you get the aggregate win and, and then you play the GF, which I think is in June. Um, I think the start of June is the, is the grand final date. So, you know, that's obviously what we strive for. You know, being at Sydney, um, we've always, like, since I've been here, we've always had, you know, big ambitions to to obviously win the big prizes. And, you know, it's sort of, sort of bed into the to, to the ethos and the culture here. And, and you know, we, we give ourselves a chance of doing that. We're playing against, you know, the, the best of the league. So, and we've had some great run-ins with them over the years. I've been here as we've been the best and they've been the second best and and it's sort of like been to and fro in between us but they've sort of took it on in the last 18 months so it's a chance for us to you know exact some revenge and put our our flag back on the you know the top of the mountain of Australian football um, and I've got a couple more questions and I'll, I'll hand back to you Johnny so Adam for anyone who's who's not familiar with with the A-League in Australia what sort of players are, are are playing in that 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 people would know from you know the Premier League or Championship or uh, or, or whatever. Well, I'm playing with like on Sydney. We've got Jared Well, um, Joe Lolly. He was at Forest as of last season, and and, he, and he's come out here. Um, Diamante was here. He's literally just left. Um, trying to think who else. Melbourne City. Schneiderlin's out here for Western Sydney Wanderers. He's um, he came out in the second part of the season for them. I don't think of some other big names. Mm-hmm. Put me on the spot here. Um, Mark Beavers, who I played with at Bolton, is a is a um, Perth uh, Zach Clough as well, who I played with at, at Bolton, is at Adelaide. Um, I'm trying to think of the other finals teams. Jason Cummins as well, obviously a big character. He's out here. Um, and then there's obviously a lot of the the Socceroos. Um, you know, a lot of the national team comes from within the league as well. Or there's a fair chunk of them who are here playing. Um, and some, you know, they've, they've sort of changed the model now and tried to rely heavily on youth and, you know, push the youth agenda through. So we, we've got some good young players in the league as well, which, um, you know, obviously one player who, who just left the league um, Grand Kualu went to, to Newcastle and then obviously he's at Hearts on loan at the moment as well so you know there is some some good young players there as well Yeah and I I think I'm right in saying Johnny on I that um, Adam's not the first Reading striker that's played in the A-League I think Stuart Lovell played in the A-League for a while didn't he? He's, he played in the, the old days we've had um, Lloyd Abusa was over there wasn't he yeah. for a while Massar yeah. Mass and Neville Roach back in the when it was the National League, I think it was back in the nineties. Never Grant, Grant Brebner was there for a, a while. Was Steve yeah. Mortone? There's been a been a bit of a history there, isn't it? With Reading players and Fed, yes. uh, Fed, Fed's played there as well for a while, didn't he? Adam? Yeah, he, he, Fed was there with McCarthy. Yeah, um, yeah, he did really well when he was here for a little bit. Uh, and and Adam, just want to ask you about your playing career. Um, have you had any thoughts about what you'd like to do after you finish playing and, and how much longer have you got left to go as a player, do you think? Uh, I, I think it's hard to say like a timescale for me as a as a player. I'm really enjoying playing football. I've been enjoying scoring goals. And, you know, the, 
at this moment in time doesn't look as if it's slowing down. So, you know, I'm quite happy with that. Um, I think for me, the big thing for me is how my body feels. I think my body will tell me when, you know, when it's time to, to sort of hang it up. I don't want to be a shell out there and not enjoying football and, you know, obviously getting a lot of injuries, then that would be a problem for me. You know, I'm, um, I don't want to, you know, carry a bad mood around me because I love playing football that much. I know how much it will, you know, affect me personally as well. So, um, you know, obviously I think it's important as well that I've, I rep, like my family have, have been through everything with me, my wife, my children, and they've been such big, stable um, forces in in my family life and in my football life that, you know, obviously there's got to be a time where, you know, where I, I just say like, come on, let's not be silly anymore. We don't need to to do that and and spend some proper time and have some weekends a little bit with with the the wife and kids and 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 obviously put them first because they put me first for forever long since they since they've been with me. You know, I've been the you know sort of the number one um, priority, and you know they've sort of took a back seat to that and, and joined on. But obviously, it'd be nice to obviously um, just be sort of regular again and and just say like, you know, come on, kids, what do you want to do? You know, I've been enjoying watching my, my eldest daughter play football for PE here. It's been um, been really fun watching her and and just uh, you know watching grassroots football again was it's uh, it's exciting. Um, and it's certainly different to what I do. I think for me personally, when I I think I'll stay in I'll stay in football for sure. I think I've been doing a lot of um work with the young strikers. There's one young striker here who you know, really a, you know a lot with him because he's always pestering me. So, you know, I quite like that. I quite trying to trying to help him. I think of um, you know, as a striker coach, I think I, I can add a lot to to pretty much anyone's game really. I've got a keen eye for for what needs to be done in the penalty area and I think I've got an half decent resume that backs it up as well. So um I think, you know, as a coach, as a development coach, um I like the the idea of an under twenty ones role, or like I say, a strikers coach or a strikers mentor, which are coming a bit more prevalent in football now. And you know, on on the grander scheme of things, I'd, I'd probably looking down the line at uh, maybe a recruitment role. Um, I'd, I'd love to to say director of football. Um, you know, that's something I would love to aim for. Um, but I've got to get on the pathway for that first. And you know, at the moment, I've just done. I've just literally just completed my UEFA B license. So. You know, the next step is probably to get my A license and then probably work on towards going the recruitment way after that. But um, you know, it's getting the foundations in place for that to happen by getting my B done, get my A done and and work on um maybe a sporting di- directorship role after that and, and do something that, you know, funnels me towards that um way of thinking and, and job and job role, obviously. But I think in in the meantime, obviously why I'm why I'm trying to do that, I wanna try and help younger players become better I think that's as I've become older as a player and I don't think I really had that forever in my career where you know a young player who's uh, sorry an older player who's been there got a decent track record you know I've done I've done a lot to think and I know and I know a lot about about scoring goals I know a lot about the game as well I watch a lot of football obviously and and look at the nuances of good strikers and what they do and and how they get in great positions. And I think, you know, any young striker would, would love to have, you know, someone like that to sort of lean on. I think me as me, when if I was coming now and if I had someone like me to work with, I would absolutely thrive off it because, 
you know, the stuff you can ask them, the stuff they've done in their career, the, what what can you see that can help them? You know, sometimes outside eyes are better than your own. And, you know, when you're looking back at things yourself, you can't see yourself. That's, I always ask for other people's opinion because you want to see what they see rather than what you see because you're when you look at things, it's maybe a little bit rose-tinted and you might think a little bit different until until someone says something that that completely out of your thinking and you think, you know what, you're right, I need to do that instead. And I think um, for me personally, I think that's where I'll sort of land between, you know, I'll probably step into coaching at first and, and hopefully progress all my way from there. Um, and do you see yourself staying in Australia or are you looking possibly to, to come back to the UK at some point? It looks very cold over yeah, here. I'd come yeah, home. Cold and windy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is like actually cold at the minute yeah it's freezing i'm sat right so i've got a hoodie on in the morning and um, it's yeah i think we'll be coming home to england um you know as as much as i love it out here unfortunately i was a bit silly when i first got here i didn't sort out for permanent residency and and that sort of thing so um you know the, the time scale of that being completed and and getting citizenship is is isn't isn't on the side for me to carry on playing football as well so um, looking like you know, me and my family will be coming home to England, and and we'll go from there. I don't know when that will be, but um, you know, that's what that's what will happen. My family and and me will come home, and um, you know, obviously, I've seen my family. I've not seen my mum and dad for two and a bit years. I'm coming home this this summer. Um, you know, I've got I've got a lot of things to sort out at home. Um, but I don't know if I'm coming back to Australia after that. Um, you know, that's sort of undecided. I'm I'm off contract at the end of this season and, you know, talks are uh, are ongoing at the moment. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, I'd love to stay at Reddit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. Old habits die hard. Old habits die hard. Is there, so, is there something Sydney, that, um, that we don't know? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. uh, I'd love to stay at Sydney because there's, there's a few records I'm really close to breaking. Um you know, I'm not far off the all-time goal scorer for them. I'm not far off the all-time A-League goal scorer for them, um, which I'm really, you know, disappointed in myself in because my, my body sort of let me down, giving me injuries. And, and you know, that's put me away from that. I, I quite easily and comfortably would have made them um, records. So it's it's obviously um, upsetting to leave, being so close to them if I do leave this season. Um but you know that's football. Um, but I would like to to knock them off and and leave a nice legacy here. But um, we've got a lot of things to do before that. You know we've got the final series, which I'm I'm you know frothing for. Can't wait for to start with uh, with the Melbourne game because it's going to be two massive games for us and hopefully give our ch- ourselves a chance of of getting to the GF and you know winning another GF for me. That'd be that'd be amazing. That's three for me out of five seasons but I was only here really four seasons so um, you know it's a, it's a great ratio to up I guess Well Johnny I'm going to hand back to you for the last couple of questions because Adam you're at the, the beginning of your day we're at the end of the, the day yeah. on Sunday night no. so uh, work. Johnny over to you <laughs> yeah, <for the> last <laughs> couple of questions. yeah no, no I was just saying like, I'm a massive Sydney fan as well mate I've lived there for years and, and, and like, watching you guys doing what you're doing what's it like yeah, working with Steve Corica, as a you know, a lot of Reading fans remember him as a player against us. Um, yes. What's he like as a coach for you, and 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 all the other coaches that you've worked with, Brian, who's obviously now got a job at Hibernian. Yeah. 
as, a, as somebody you, you know for your own coaching progression what do you take from these guys I think ultimately that a lot of successful people I think what, what I've worked with come down to the good people Brian brilliant person um, yeah. knew how to to get to different people's personalities how to make them tick um, Steve Corky the same really good person uh, really good on the tactical side of things very open with his experienced players um, you know I think you have to be more so in football these days uh, not so much asking for advice but asking for opinions of of just think this is possible what do you think about this like I have quite a lot of say in, in how we press um, things they're not working I think the rabble waking up now <laughs> my kids are in. morning girls yeah my, uh, my youngest and my eldest are up um, yeah obviously the I think obviously Bimby's a, a fantastic coach in, in that aspect where he'll give ownership to, to different people as well and, and take ownership himself overall because that's what you have to do I think this season for me um, Bimby took a lot of a lot of flack as we all have to, as players but I think he what, what I admired most is he took the forefront of that of all of the abuse of this that you, this is not good enough that's not good enough we want you out blah 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 he stood there took it didn't, didn't put any of it on the players just shielded the players from all of it completely Obviously, he can't be fully completed because obviously social media, etc. But he took the blame in the press. You know, he took all that uh, that bre- that blame that we were getting and put it all on himself and and just went right. I'll take that. Uh, obviously, and as players, you see that and you know you respect that and you want to fight. You know, yeah. fight to help him because he's trying to shield you from that. And I think that's a, a a great quality to have as a manager. You know, Brian had that sort of you know quality about him and. Managers who have, when we've been successful, that tends to be one of the underlying values is that they're a good person and, you know, they know what makes you tick as a player, as a, and as a group as well. They uh, they're able to not create a siege mentality, but create a mentality of of I'll defend yeah. you, you defend me, and we're all in this together. I think that's the one of the main overriding factors you have to, you know, be able to create as a manager. And I think both of them managers. Have, I've been fantastic in my I time doing that. I don't know if, you, you know if you've heard some of Paul Lintz's comments over this year. You know, so many times where he kind of basically threw the players under the bus and blamed everyone else, but didn't take that responsibility. And I think that's really what's not helped, you know, Reading a lot, you know, especially young players. You know, you, yeah. senior players like Andy Carroll can take it a bit more because they're used to it, but not a 20-year-old lad who's just trying to make his game. But try to, try to finish off on a positive note because I know you've got your young ones <laughs> to, to look after. Can you take us back to that that game, that Southampton game? Those yeah. two goals. Just just relive it for for us as a as a, a positive end to what's been a horrible season. Um, yeah, I think you know, obviously, you know, might sort of going into that game, we've been obviously on a great run. Um, I think I'd missed West Ham not long just before it when we obviously went there and beat them four two, and I was absolutely gutted. So I've not yeah. missed a game all season, and I missed that one game. And obviously, the big, obviously, the big games were coming up as well towards the end of the season. They mean more and more. And going into you know that game at Southampton, my mentality was for me, I, I was almost invincible because 
I wasn't starting, but yeah, I was so free coming on because and inevitably when I was coming on, it was when we were drawing or losing. So there was no pressure on me at all mm. to do anything other than what, what I normally Bro- do. Just go and run around, see if I can what get What would Brian say to you? When you would you just go, go for it? It, just sort of coming on, it'd be like going into the goal. <laughs> Nothing too fancy or anything like that. Just go into the goal, do, go and do what you do. Um, we had plenty of conversation books. I, I wanted, obviously, I wanted to start. It was like a double edged sword for me. Like, I, I, I loved yeah. playing, loved scoring goals. And obviously, I wanted to start. Like, when I first came in, I was starting. I, was, I scored a few early on. Um, and I strikers did go for a bit of a, a barren spell. Wasn't quite working in and out, in and out. And Obviously, then we got Robbo in, and we went on a great we went on a great roll. And obviously, I was disappointed not to play like from the start, but obviously, I was scoring. Yeah. So for me, I had to be selfless in a way where you know I put my feelings aside because you know if I'm winning every week and I'm scoring every week, I would have bother about you know starting sort of thing. Like obviously, yeah. I knew we were in a great role at the moment, so I needed to just obviously you know bite my fight my tongue and, and go from there and you know the, the Southampton game is a great example of you know a typical Reading performance for us like no one gives a shot going there yeah. Southampton with a you know the, the fancy team of the league and you know they had some fantastic players as well let's, let's not push your foot around that there's some great players Ricky Lambert up front Lalana, um, you know some top talents in that team so and obviously Billy Sharp as well who's you know undoubtedly probably the best striker that's been in the championship. Um, so, you know, some absolute quality players. So, obviously going 1-0 up there, Robbo scores. We think, hold on, we've probably scored a little bit too early here. But, you know, we'll take it. It was a great game. And then Southampton started to pile the pressure on. And, you know, Feds was fantastic. And I think, you know, obviously, I think with a deflection from Ricky Lambert shot, yeah. I beat Feds. And... Obviously, it was like to and fro, and, and to be fair, I did, from, my, from what I remember, I don't think I, I thought, oh, am I going to come on here? Like, obviously, it's a, a point away yeah. from home is good. Like, especially at Southampton, you know, maybe maybe I don't come on so early, and you know, I still come on pretty much a normal time. It's like sixty-five minutes, right? Don't tell Hunty's. I think Hunty. No, that was when Benny came on. Hunty went to the wing. Like I think J Tab came off, I came on. I sort of played as like the split nine and um, you know, we just carried on as normal, just went into normal and and obviously uh, even when I watched the game back, like my my dad religiously watches that them highlights on like BBC highlights Not religiously the only one. watches it. <laughs> whenever I'm yeah. Whenever I'm whenever I'm at home or you know, I'll speak to my sister and she's like, guess what he's watching? He's like watching Southampton and and Reading, so um, you know it's it's funny because you know that that even me watching them goals, I get goose pimples and and um, you know it's such a an amazing thing, and I always laugh when I watch it back and uh, when I've scored and I'm running around the back of the net, and I always think who's the one screaming, and then I realise it's me. <laughs> it's like me running around going ah, it's sort of like just running off on my own. Um, you know it's. Them sort of memories are amazing for me as a player because it's something I cherish for for the for the rest of my life. And you know, I think I've said before, I think I've got a special bond with you know with certain clubs. I think I've had a, a really special bond with them, and 
you know, Reading are probably the top of that list. If you, if you look back, back on my career and the success I had with Reading, uh, you know, rightly so, they're at the top of that tree because of, you know, the connection we had as a, you know, a player and club and a player and fan base. You know, I love the fans and the fans love me in turn. And, you know, as a player, that's all you ask for. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Thank you. All right, so Adam, I'd no like worries. to finish by wishing you the best of luck for the for the rest of the final series, and and you know, thanks ever so much for joining us. Yeah. Cheers, thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thanks for your time, Adam. It. Good luck with the kids getting them breakfast. <laughs> yeah, and, and the yeah, reminder... yeah. my youngest is just here now. Next week, I've got to make it. All right. Well, a reminder that on Wednesday evening, we'll be discussing what type of manager will be a good fit to take Reading forward. And our guest will be one of the managers who's on the bookmakers list of potential next Reading manager. So that episode is available from 6pm on Wednesday. And then on Friday evening, Dylan Kerr is back and we'll be joined by, as well as Dylan, some Reading fans to discuss what's gone wrong for Reading this season in the last few seasons and what needs to happen next for the club to bounce back. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.